Please be seated for our Bible readings. I'm reading from Acts chapter 2, it's page 1093 in the Pew Bibles. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." And then the second reading is on page 1083 of the Pew Bibles, John 15, starting at verse 26. The work of the Holy Spirit. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. 
None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts to hear you, to receive you, to be changed by you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, good morning, everybody. Happy Pentecost Day. Um, It's really good that we're gathered here on Pentecost from our three different congregations to celebrate together what we think of as the church's birthday. As I've lived and prayed with that passage over these last few days, there's a phrase that stood out to me over and over again, and it's there right at the beginning of the Acts reading, where it says, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Just as we are this morning, men and women who followed Jesus in those early days, and those gathered here this morning who follow him still. At that time, as they gathered together in one place after the ascension of Jesus, of course, if we read a little bit before chapter 2, after the ascension of Jesus, they are constantly devoting themselves to prayer. They're waiting for Jesus's, they're following Jesus' instructions to wait, to devote themselves to prayer as they wait for the Holy Spirit that he has promised them to come. And that's why, of course, over the last 10 days since Ascension Day in church here and in church at St. George's, we too have been devoting ourselves to prayer. We've joined in with the Thy Kingdom Come initiative, which has gone across the UK and around the world. And together with our fellow believers, we have been petitioning God for our friends and for our communities. And we have been praying that the Holy Spirit would come and would enable God's kingdom to come here on earth to transform those people's lives that we love. And so this week, as I've lived with that passage, I've wondered a few times, what was it like in the upper room in those days as they spent time together? 
And as I've prayed for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life this week and in the life of this church, I've been struck by a number of things about that first Pentecost and what actually went before it. The first thing that strikes me about that group as they gathered in that upper room is that they were being prayerfully obedient. They were doing what they'd been told to do. They'd been told to wait. They'd been promised a helper. And they were prayerfully obedient. They didn't know how long they were going to wait for. But as they waited, they spent time in prayer. Second thing, they had prepared hearts. They had prepared structures. They used the time they had to get ready. They elected another apostle. They sorted themselves out fairly so that the focus that they all had would be on God and nothing else. So there were no distractions. There was nothing to get in the way when the Holy Spirit came. Thirdly, they were patient and they had faith. They didn't know how long they were going to be waiting for. They didn't really know what they were waiting for. But they waited. They were patient. And finally, they were at peace with one another as they prayed. You know, you can't pray with people when you're not at peace with them. They were at peace with one another. So, four things there. Prayerful obedience, patient faith, prepared hearts, and peaceful relationships. All precursors for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, on the day of Pentecost, as they gathered, they have this extraordinary and supernatural experience as God's power is manifest amongst them. And change begins to happen. The Holy Spirit does lots of different things, as we know, and it can be described in so many different ways. But one of the most helpful things I think we can remember about it always is that the Holy Spirit is a change maker. Look at those disciples. As the Holy Spirit comes, they're changed. On this occasion, they're able to speak different languages. They're changed because they become bold. They're confident in proclaiming the gospel from being a small group in a small room, in an upstairs room locked away. Suddenly they're out on the streets. They're bold. They're not frightened anymore. They can tell people about God's deeds of power. And of course, Peter is changed enough to raise his voice and speak out. This is the same Peter that a few weeks before had denied knowing Jesus. He's been changed But that's not where the change ends. The change doesn't finish on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit brings about change in people's understanding on that day and on the days to come as they hear the good news about Jesus. Peter's sermon is good. It's very good. Later on in the passage, we hear that those who heard it are cut to the heart and ask what they need to do. But it's not just Peter's words that are good. It's not just the Holy Spirit working in Peter. The Holy Spirit is working too in those who hear him, those who are able to change their understanding, those who are suddenly convicted of their sin and of their need for Christ. That's what Jesus was talking about in that passage we heard there from John when he said the Holy Spirit comes to convict people, to show them where they're wrong, to point to the righteousness of Christ. And Peter explains that this change that he is proclaiming is now for everyone because the Holy Spirit is for everyone, whether they are very young or whether they're old, whether they're male, whether they're female, whether they're slave, whether they are free. There are no barriers 
to the Holy Spirit's work. Human barriers, political barriers, social barriers. Nothing limits the Holy Spirit. It's equally available to all who are willing to receive. All these different ways that the Holy Spirit brings about change. Perhaps before, above anything else, we might want to say the Holy Spirit's work is noticeable. What happened on that first day of Pentecost was particularly noticeable for those around and about. But in the months and years ahead, it became clear that this one-off day of Pentecost, as people were baptised in the Holy Spirit for the very first time, this was just the beginning of a longer-lasting change, longer-lasting transformation in people's lives. And we can see that through the reception of gifts and the production of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, in the early churches and the lives of the first believers. These are the changes, aren't they, that enabled the church to be a church. And these are the changes that we should still be expecting to see in our churches today, enabling us to be church, not just to be a collection of people that gather on a Sunday morning. So our churches should be places where we expect change to happen, where we expect to be equipped for the work God is calling us to do, where we can expect to become bold and confident in our witness, where we can expect a change in our understandings, where we can expect conviction of our sins, and where we can expect there will be no barriers between us where each one of us is equal before Christ, without human or social obstacles. Churches should be places where we can expect to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where we can expect to see our characters transformed by the fruit that grows in our life as his Spirit dwells within us. Let me describe again what I think the Holy Spirit does for the church. And this time let's hold in our minds our churches, our two churches, our three congregations. Let me invite you to think for a minute as I speak about how closely we match the description. Our churches should be places where we expect change to happen, where we expect to be equipped for the work God calls us to, where we expect to become bold and confident in our witness where we expect understandings to be changed, where we expect the conviction of our sins, and where we expect there to be no barriers between us, where everyone is equal in Christ. Places above all else where we can expect to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and see our characters transformed by the good fruit that will grow in our lives as his Spirit dwells within us. I'm not going to ask you how close a match you think we are to that description. But I wonder what you think the Holy Spirit looks like when it's at work. So I wonder where you can identify it happening in our churches. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit is at work? If you saw the wedding yesterday, you would have seen Bishop Michael Curry preaching. The Holy Spirit was at work. But if you'd have been in St. George's Church on Friday morning with the year one class, as they came and prayed for the countries on the world map, the Holy Spirit was at work. 
The Holy Spirit is at work here every Tuesday morning when we do kangaroos. It's at work when we go to the school on a Monday and Tuesday and run our after-school clubs. It's at work when you write a card for somebody in hospital, when you take the time to go and visit them, when you phone up to see how somebody is. All these are places where we see the Holy Spirit at work within our own church family. I've seen the Holy Spirit at work, particularly this week, as we've gone through our different activities for the um, Thy Kingdom Come initiative. You know, those people who gathered in church overnight last Saturday to pray through the night and through the day, they all said what a special time it was for them, how they got more than they gave when they came, how it was a time when they could perceive the Holy Spirit at work. I was here that morning from six until seven, and I was alone, which is how I prefer to be when I pray, and I was acutely aware of not being alone in this place of being surrounded by God's love and God's light and power. There is no doubt that the Holy Spirit is at work in this church and at St. George's Church, and as we are gathered as one church family. And I know that if we were to share stories, you would have your own stories of how he works. But there are other areas of our church life where it's harder to see the Holy Spirit's work where we might struggle to see his presence. And I've wondered this week why that is. Surely a supernatural power, a force, as the Holy Spirit is. Well, he should be able to do anything, anywhere. He should be evident in all parts of our church life. And yes, that's true because that's his desire, to be seen in all parts of our churches. But it's also not true because sometimes people get in the Holy Spirit's way. Sometimes we stop the Holy Spirit from working as he wants to. Above all else, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of gentleness and peace and he will not force his way where he isn't wanted. And so we have to understand as we learn about the Holy Spirit that we can, we can limit and we can hinder and we can get in the way of the work that he wants to do. We do that when we fail to live together in unity, when we squabble with one another and we stop trying to understand each other's differences. We do it if we develop a hardness of heart towards other people, if we don't notice other people's needs, if we fail to love as Christ loved us. We do it when we harbour unforgiveness in our hearts, when we refuse to let go of past hurts and seek reconciliation and offer forgiveness. And we do it when we're selfish and self-centred, when we care about ourselves and our own needs at the expense of others. And we do it finally when we put up barriers, when we don't accept people as they are, when we put, when we demonstrate a lack of grace and acceptance towards people who might be different, when we become cliquey and inward-looking. Disunity, hardness of heart, unforgiveness, selfishness, lack of grace. These are things that hinder the spirit and that limit his effectiveness in our church's lives. I wonder if those are things that we need to pay attention to here. I wonder if in any way the Holy Spirit is limited by those things. Because if so, then we need to sort them out. We need to work at getting along with each other better. We need to build bridges with those 
who think differently to ourselves. We need to let go of things that might have happened in the past. We need to offer forgiveness. Make a concerted effort to look out for the interests of other people, for the, those that we don't see very often, for those on the edge of church. And we need to offer God's welcome equally to all. The Holy Spirit is there to point to Jesus. His light points to Jesus, and in his light we see our faults. But the Holy Spirit is also there to help us address those faults, those failings. He is called in the different translations of the Bible, he's called the helper, the companion, the supporter. He comes not to force us to change, but to gently guide and and nudge us and reveal the light Reveal the love of Jesus to us so that we can be equipped with the boldness and the humility that we need to put things right. If we can do that as individuals in our own lives, if we can do that as a church family, then I believe that we will be ready to receive an even greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit than we can possibly imagine. One of the ways, of course, that we're addressing that desire to love and care for each other better It's through our paraclesis course and it's helping us to think about coming alongside others and caring for them. By now most of us know very well that the name paraclesis comes from a Greek word which can be translated as coming alongside. But we may not also know that the word Jesus uses in John's Gospel that we heard there for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. It has the same root as paraclesis. It's the best example of paraclesis love is the Holy Spirit, the ultimate helper and supporter and encourager and enabler, the one who will help us to put right those things that are wrong. I'm going to stop talking in a moment and allow us a few moments to think, but I want to remind you first about the ways in which the Holy Spirit came upon those first believers. It came upon those first believers when they waited with prayerful obedience, with patient faith, with prepared hearts and peaceful relationships. They were the precursors for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so let us think for a moment about areas in our own life and about areas particularly in our church's life where we want to see more of the Holy Spirit. And then let's think very honestly about whether there's anything in our own life or our church life that might be hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. And let's hold a moment of quiet and let's think about what God might want to say to us about that, about what he might want us to do about it. And then I think we're going to have another song, but let me pray first as we wait together for a few moments. Come, Holy Spirit. Show us where you want to work amongst us. Help us to hear you speak to us and to know where it is that you want to change our lives and our churches. Amen.